0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farough.
1: Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. That saying again, loose lips sink ships. I mean, sometimes we can get ourselves into so much trouble just because of what we say. Guard your mouth. Guard your words. Guard your tongue. Keep your soul
0: from trouble. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Have you ever said something that you thought would give you the upper hand in a situation only to regret it at some point? Perhaps one of the biggest challenges of life is keeping our tongues in check. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, we would do well as believers to guard our mouths. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 21 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Think about the writer of Hebrews where he says that do not forsake the assembling, keyword, of yourselves together as is the custom of some. Now, again, stay with me. The assembling of yourselves together in a fellowship, in a church. Don't stop going to church because when you go to church, you're assembling together. So I always use the illustration that I, best illustration I ever heard. I have this watch up here, and it's functioning. Okay, why? Because it is assembled. It's assembled. Now let's just say, for purpose of illustration, that I took all of the parts of this watch, and I just gathered them together up here, just gathered them together, all of the small tiny springs and instruments and gears, and I just gathered them together. Well, it's worthless. It has no purpose, because it's not assembled. You see where I'm going with this? When we get together as a body of believers, it is an assembly, all different parts of the same body with different functions, and all very important. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about in his epistles, one in particular to the Corinthian church, about how every part of the body is important. You might not think so, but we need you, because you're part of the body, and we need to be assembled together. That is a functioning, assembling together of the body of believers. So let's take this proverb, and let's superimpose it on the template of that illustration. So we wander from that, we, we don't assemble ourselves together, well what does it lead to? Spiritual deadness, spiritual dryness. I mean, isn't it fair to say, yes, this has a literal application in the way that we forsake the way, we stray, and it could be a matter of life and death if we stray off of the path. The right path. It can be a matter of life and death, literally. But let's talk about it in the spiritual sense, metaphorically. Isn't it true also that for us to stray away, to deliberately not stay on the way of understanding, to wander from it, will it not result in a spiritual deadness? You know, if you wonder why, there just seems to be this spiritual dryness. Could it be? Have you ever heard the expression that one week without God's word makes one week? You just see the play on words there. W-E-E-K, week, makes one week. W-E-A-K, and that could be across the board. One week without prayer makes one weak. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Why is it that we can become so weak in our faith? We need spiritual strength. How are we going to get that spiritual strength that comes from the Word of God? That's where the spiritual strength comes from. The spirit, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And by the way, it's not necessarily from pew to pulpit. Sometimes it's from you to you. By assembling together, God may have a word for you that is spoken through that brother and sister in Christ that you are assembled together with, and God may speak through them. And if you foresee, you're cutting yourself off And by the way, you're vulnerable. You're a sitting duck for the enemy. You know how the, in in ancient warfare, how they would defeat the enemy is they would get them separated from the rest of the camp. You know the armor, the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6? Very interesting. You know the, I always thought when Paul says, above all, take ye up the shield of faith. Above all. He's not saying that the shield of faith is above all the most important part of the armor. No. He was describing what they would do in warfare at that time. They would take the shield of faith, the shield, and by the way dipped in water to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy, the water of God's word, and they would take and they would put it above all of them, and it would sort of lock tongue and groove with their fellow comrades creating this impenetrable fortress, so when the enemy fired all of those arrows, they could not penetrate. Now you get somebody off by himself, done. He's done. Because he doesn't have that protection. It's the hymn of old. Pastor Chuck Smith used to always talk about this. The title of the hymn is, I hope I don't botch it, under the spout where God's blessing comes out. You think about how it is that there's this this covering, this this place where the blessing of God, the protection of God is. And when we come out of that, we make ourselves vulnerable. You know, we're given that, that imagery where Paul describes the enemy as this roaring lion who's sort of stalking his prey, waiting for that optimum time to attack, and as soon as they see that prey out by themselves vulnerable, that's when they attack. That's why it is so important, and it can be a matter of life and death. Verse 17, we need to keep moving here. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. (laughs) He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. I mean, how can they be? I mean, if they're spending all their money on pleasure and parties and wine and oil, they're, they're not going to have any riches. I mean, if, if, if they just live for the weekend, they just live for pleasure, they just live for fun, there's no way. Verse 18, the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful For the upright, in other words, those who try to gain riches unrighteously or wickedly will end up being a ransom. But the faithful are the ones who are upright. We're going to see this when we get to chapter 22, Lord willing, next week. But the emphasis on the importance of gaining wealth righteously, because if it's gained quickly or unrighteously, it will diminish as quickly as it was gained. When we get into chapter 22, again, the first verse out of the shoot is that it's better to have a good name, a good reputation than it is to have all the riches, all the wealth, if it comes at the expense of your reputation. You're going to ransom your reputation for the sake of wealth. Verse 19, here it is again, we've already talked about it, so we won't expound on it again, but better to dwell. Now the only difference between 19 and 9, stay with me on this, and just bear with me on this, please. So in verse 9, the husband was still in the house. He's not in the house anymore by verse 19. Where is he? Well apparently he's in the wilderness now. Because it says, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. In other words, he went to the top of the house, and she followed him up there. He's like, where else am I going to go? So he goes into the wilderness. He says, it'd, better be, it'd be better for me to be in the wilderness. I mean, I thought I was safe on the, the, the rooftop, the flat roof of the house, to get away from this woman. And apparently that didn't work, so I'm going to run out to the wilderness. It'd be better to be out here in the wilderness with all those wild animals. <laughs> then to have, okay I think we got the point. Verse 20, <laughs> there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. This is a another proverb and recurring theme in this book, where it basically says that it is the fool who spends everything he gets. who who wastes it, squanders it, doesn't know how to handle it. But it is the one who is wise. In the dwelling of the wise, what are you going to find? You're going to find this reserve, this treasury of oil, fine oil. Verse 21, he who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor. Pretty much self-explanatory. I mean the one who's walking in righteousness is going to be one who's going to be honored. Verse 22, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. It kind of goes with 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. That saying again, loose lips sink ships. I mean, sometimes we can get ourselves into so much trouble just because of what we say. Guard your mouth. Guard your words. Guard your tongue. Keep your soul from trouble. Verse 24, a proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. I want to talk about this as we get to the end. The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Again, a warning concerning slothfulness, the sluggard, the lazy. Verse 26, he covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. In other words, there are those who take and there are those who give. Verse 27, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent. This carries with it the idea of a gift, making a sacrifice, an offering, if you prefer, but it's to buy off, to garner favor, with with malicious motives, malicious intent. Verse 28, a false witness shall perish, but the man who hears him will speak endlessly. Now this is another one that's a little bit gnarly at first read. It kind of has this idea that there is one who, when they speak consistently, I mean they're consistent, those are the ones that you will listen to and trust in, because they're consistent, but contrasted with the one where there are, if you will, inconsistencies. Nah, wait, 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 that's inconsistent with what you just said. There's an inconsistency here. That's the false witness as contrasted with the one who is consistent. Verse 29, This is good imagery. A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he establishes his way. So picture this man, he's he's hard-hearted, stiff-necked, I mean rigid, hardens his face, unbendable. There's no... (laughs) breaking him, contrasted with the upright who is established in his way. I mean, sometimes the countenance of some people says it all. I mean, just their, their, their countenance, their face, their, their facial expression. You know, there are people that are actually, that's their business, is, is reading their facial language. I hope nobody reads my, if you don't read my facial language, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best. I was born with this face, so I'm doing the best I can. Verse 30, there is no wisdom, <laughs> I love this one, or understanding or counsel against the Lord. In other words, <laughs> you want to uh, fight against the Lord, guess who's going to win? It's not you. Nobody can come against the Lord and succeed. No wisdom, no plan, no counsel, no understanding. Nothing will prevail against the Lord. Never go against the Lord. And then lastly verse 31, the horse is prepared for the day of battle. Nothing wrong. Make preparations, make plans, prepare the horses, prepare for the battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So in the end, when you are delivered, when you are victorious, when you are more than a conqueror, you don't say, oh, it's because of my preparations. It's because I prepared the horses for battle. And then you take the credit for it. No. You you make the preparations, you make the plans, But ultimately, God alone gets the glory for delivering you. It's really a, how did one say it? Make plans as if it all depends upon you, and wage war as if it all depends upon the Lord. In other words, do your best and trust God with the rest, with the outcome. I mean, God does not just expect us to sit by idly, you know, as he does everything. No, there's a there's a participation on our part, a preparation on our part in the day of battle. Okay, so again, we won't get to 22. I don't think any of you are complaining. And even if you are complaining, uh, complaining is a sin, so you need to repent. Um, you know, what I was thinking about <laughs> as we go through these proverbs and we were basically doing a chapter a week. I I just kind of want to extract what I see as the main lesson, the takeaway, something that we can take away from that chapter and take home with us and take into the rest of our week and, and weekend. And to me chapter 21 is a lesson about the danger of pride. I mean, would you agree that Throughout the book of Proverbs, one of the recurring themes, one of the, the prevalent warnings is against pride and arrogance and haughtiness. Do you ever ask yourself why? This is one of those places, one of those times in God's Word where you need to know, I believe, the why behind the what, if I can say it that way. It's not just knowing what we believe, but knowing why we believe what we believe. What's the why behind the what? Why does God hate pride so much? Why does God resist the proud, but give grace to the humble? Why is it that the pride He knows from afar off, like, get away from me, get away from me. I hate pride in every form. Why? Why does God hate pride so much? I mean, why is is there so many warnings against pride in the Scriptures, particularly in the book of Proverbs? A couple of thoughts, closing thoughts. First, I believe, it's because of the first sin. And I'm not talking about in the garden. I'm talking about in heaven. When Lucifer exalted himself in his pride and declared that he would ascend his throne above the Most High. I will ascend my throne above the most high, and look at the destruction that came for all the ages because of pride. Here's a second thought, lastly. Another reason I believe that God hates pride so much and resists proud people, and arrogance, and knows them from afar, off. and humbles the proud, but exalts the humble, is because he's humble. Think about it. Here is, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. (laughs) And what did they see in Jesus? They saw the personification of humility. Meekness. Not weakness. Humility. Meekness. As one defined it, strength under control. Meekness. I mean, here's God incarnate, fully God, fully man, and yet He's humble. Did you ever think of it like this, that God is humble? Here's the all-powerful, almighty creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, and yet he's humble. And that's why I believe it is that he hates pride, because God himself is humble. The humility of almighty God. And isn't it true, this will be the last thought, isn't it true that Pride is repulsive, and humility is attractive. I don't. I don't like to be around people that are full of themselves. I mean, there's, it's repulsive. I mean, there's, it's arrogance, a haughty look on the. I mean, they're just, just the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, the how highly they think of themselves. Oh my goodness! I don't want to be around that. But yet. Conversely, here's somebody who's just humble, gentle, kind. Imagine <laughs> the, 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 the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. We talked about this on Sunday. All the things, that characteristics that come from the fruit of love, fruit singular, and, and meekness. It's so attractive. This is why it is, I believe, that we're attracted to the underdog, because of the humility, and that we're, in a sense, repulsed by the favorite, because they're so arrogant. Like, we're going to kill him. It's like, oh really? And it's kind of a David and Goliath thing. Here comes David on the scene, this little teenager, many scholars believe, a teenager. And then here's Goliath. Is this a joke? I'm going to take and eat you for lunch and feed the leftovers to the birds and you know just so confident and arrogant and and here's David going oh I I just I got a slingshot five stones and I think there's been a big misunderstanding you uncircumcised Philistine because you think this is you against me <laughs> no <laughs> this is you against God the god that you blasphemed and here's this humility This David, who has a heart after God's own heart, humility is attractive, pride is repulsive.
0: Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor JD's teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaniohe on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Hold me
1: true to you La La